Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. In my former book, Thelophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. is when one of their own comes to recognize the calling of God upon their lives and not only recognize it but then is obedient to it and my God sighting this week I was reserving for this moment because I see a man that I've been married to for over 25 years who, when I started on the journey to the call of pastor, argued with me that, well, everyone's called to preach. Everybody is called to do that. And now I have the honor and the privilege to introduce him to you as a pastor, delivering the word of God to you this morning. But I will also tell you there's nothing more humbling than standing up here delivering the word of God to people. And it changes you, it, it, it alters your entire being inside out. And so be patient. And I will turn the mic over to Pastor Jay. Good morning. Thank you. The first thing I should probably say is, you're right. All right, so um, I have the assignment to share the Word of God with you this morning, and so I prayed about it, and this is where God led me. So, church is a time where we worship God, we fellowship, and we share His Word. We often talk about God the Father, Jesus the Son, but I think much less often we talk about God the Holy Spirit. So I wanted to answer some questions for us this morning. Who is the Holy Spirit and how does he work? What is his role in the life of a believer today? So just some factual information. There's at least 75 references to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament but over 250 references in the New Testament. 
And as we've heard in the past, when something's repeated frequently, oftentimes it has great importance. And so clearly the Holy Spirit is important in our relationship with God. So who is the Holy Spirit? Is it some mystical force? Is it an impersonal power? In fact, neither of these. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is a person and that the Holy Spirit is God. The fact that the Holy Spirit is God is seen very clearly in many scriptures. And I was just going to share a few of those with you this morning. In Acts 5, reads like this. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't that money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. So in this passage, we see that lying to the Holy Spirit is lying to God. We also know the Holy Spirit is God because he possesses the characteristics of God. For example, his omnipresence is seen in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. In 1 Corinthians, we see the characteristic of the omniscience of the Holy Spirit. God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. There are many, many references to the Holy Spirit, but I think these definitely point us in the direction that the Holy Spirit is God. Let's look a little bit at how the scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit is actually a person, in fact, a divine person. First of all, every pronoun in scripture that references the Holy Spirit is he, not it. The word for spirit, which is pneuma in the New Testament, is a neuter type word. And clearly, if the Holy Spirit was neuter, then we'd be calling him it instead of he. We also see in Matthew 28, 19, um, the word says, we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see in Ephesians 4, we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah, the Spirit can be sinned against and lied to. And in Psalms, Scripture tells us to obey and honor the Holy Spirit. The personhood of the Holy Spirit is also affirmed by his many works. The Holy Spirit was personally involved in creation. He empowers us, guides us, comforts us, convicts us, teaches us, restrains sin, and gives us commands. Each of these works requires the involvement of a person rather than a force, a thing, or an idea. The Holy Spirit has a mind, he has emotions, and a will, and these attributes point to his personality. The Holy Spirit has a life, a will, is omniscient, is eternal, is omnipresent. A mere force would not 
possess these attributes, but the Holy Spirit clearly does. So the Holy Spirit is a person, and the Holy Spirit is God. I don't think we have a lot of questions about that now. So, since we know that, now we need to move on to figure out how does the Holy Spirit work in the life of a believer? Well, one way is to look at Scripture and see the names that are used for the Holy Spirit. So first, in 2 Peter and 2 Timothy, we see that the Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. The Bible is inspired, or literally, God-breathed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we know, is a comforter, counselor, and advocate. When Jesus went away, ascending into heaven after his resurrection, his disciples were greatly dis uh, distressed because they lost his comforting presence. God sent his spirit to comfort, console, and guide those who belong to Christ. We know that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Spirit applies God's truth to men to convince us that we are sinners. He does this through the conviction in our hearts that we are not worthy to stand before a holy God. The Holy Spirit seals our salvation. The Holy Spirit is God's seal on his people. He claims us as his own. Since we are indwelt and sealed, we are assured of our salvation. The Holy Spirit also functions as a guide in the spirit of truth. He guides believers to know and understand God's word and God's truth. God's truth is foolishness to the world, but the Spirit helps us understand. No amount of human knowledge can ever replace the Holy Spirit's teaching. The Spirit reveals to our minds worship, doctrine, and Christian living. He's the ultimate guide leading the way, removing obstructions, and facilitating our understanding. Probably the most crucial part of the truth he reveals is that Jesus is who he said he is. The Spirit convinces us of Christ's deity, his incarnation, his being the Messiah, his suffering and his death, his resurrection and his ascension, his exaltation at the right hand of God, and his role as judge of all. The Holy Spirit gives glory to Christ in all things. The Holy Spirit indwells believers, resides in the hearts of God's people. From within, he directs us, guides us, comforts us, influences us, and produces the fruit of the Spirit. As read in Galatians 5, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are not works of our flesh. These are products of the Spirit's presence in our life. The Holy Spirit functions as an intercessor. We often don't know what to pray or how to approach God. The Spirit intercedes and prays for us. He sustains us before God and he provides an intimate connection between us and God. The Holy Spirit acts as a witness and helps us to witness. The Holy Spirit testifies to the fact that we are children of God. By giving the gifts of the Spirit to believers, he witnesses to us our salvation, since the gifts of the Spirit are only given to true believers. 1 Corinthians 12 
describes the spiritual gifts given to believers in order that we may function as the body of Christ on earth. These gifts enable us to be ambassadors to the world, showing forth his grace and glorifying him. So he empowers our witness to others, to those around us. And of course, the Holy Spirit functions in the role of sanctification. This is the process by which God matures us spiritually. The Spirit sets himself against the desires of our flesh and leads us into righteousness. The works of the flesh become less and less important and the fruit of the Spirit becomes more evident in our lives. The Spirit testifies of Christ, pointing people to God and to Christ and leading us to be more and more like him. In fact, everyone has a God consciousness, whether they choose to believe it or not. The Spirit applies the truth of God to minds of men and women to convince them that they're sinners and help them realize that they need a savior. This is the response that we must have to convict us, to bring us to salvation. So, when or how do we receive this Holy Spirit? In order to receive the Holy Spirit, all we really need to do is accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. The Holy Spirit is given as a gift to all believers in Jesus, without exception. And there's no condition except to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And Scripture says that the Holy Spirit becomes our permanent possession the moment we believe in Jesus. So what does it mean to walk in the Spirit, that you're Spirit-filled? Well, those who walk in the Spirit will show daily, moment by moment, holiness. This is a choice that we have to make. We must choose to rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us in thought, in word, and in deed. He wants to occupy every part of our lives, guiding us and controlling us. Then his power can be exerted through us so that what we do glorifies God instead of ourselves. This spirit does not apply to outward acts only, but also applies to our innermost thoughts and our motives, which most of the time only God can really see. If we fail to rely on the Holy Spirit's guidance, we kind of fall short um, of our opportunity to live up to the potential that salvation provides. Sin in our lives hinders the filling of the Holy Spirit, but obedience to God is how the filling of the Spirit is maintained. It is not praying for the Holy Spirit that accomplishes the filling. Only our obedience to God's commands allows the Spirit to work within us. That's really important, so I'm going to say that again. Only our obedience to God's commands allows the Spirit to work within us. Well, we can know that we're walking in the Spirit if our lives are showing forth the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In addition, we talked about before how the Spirit gives us gifts. Perhaps you can look at your own lives, and certainly people around you can tell you what spiritual gifts that you see. And of course, there's online testing and things of that nature, but gifts like encouragement or the gift of giving, leadership or mercy, 
prophecy, service or teaching, discernment, faith, healing, wisdom, evangelism, hospitality, or missionary. These are just some of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives and reassures us of our salvation and empowers us to serve the body of Christ and the world in general. So, the Holy Spirit has always been a little bit vague to me, and that's one of the reasons that I uh, decided to share this with you this morning. And being kind of a visual person uh, in my searching, I found a really neat illustration I wanted to share with you. So, it's not really a chemistry experiment, but we're going to go ahead and give it a shot, okay? So, it's a little messy. This is an example of us. We are a vessel. And we're kind of filled with some not-so-nice stuff before we come to Christ. Kind of muddy. Nobody really wants to drink that. It doesn't really look that good. Okay? And this would represent all the junk we have in our lives, sin and so on. When we come to Christ, we are emptied. We're an empty vessel. Then, when we accept Christ, as we just shared, the word says, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Rivers of living water. This is Hollywood's best. Okay. We're excited. We're a new creation. God has made us new and strong, and, and we're starting our, our walk, our relationship with him. But in many circumstances, things haven't really changed that much for us. We're a new creation, but our life circumstances, our friends, our temptations, um, all the, the baggage that we have is still kind of around. And we have struggles. So one of those struggles might be bitterness. So we represent bitterness with a lemon. This, in fact, is lemon juice. So we have some bitterness, so we're going to pour a little bit of lemon juice in there. It's starting not to look so good. Well, some people have issues with anger. So, in this case, anger is hot sauce. So, we're going to add a little hot sauce in there. That represents the sin of anger. And some people struggle with, this is green hot sauce. You can have these when we're done. Uh, envy or greed. Now, we still believe in Christ, but we're letting the world influence us. Some people tend to be a little bit self-righteous. Now, this looks like water, Ooh, but it really stinks. So we can walk around looking like good Christians, followers of Christ, but we really kind of stink. Oof. Next, 
I'm guessing this is probably the first time a beer has ever been opened on stage at this church, but there you go. Beer, I don't like beer, this smells terrible, uh, represents addiction, all the hang-ups that we may have. I'm getting kind of full here, so um, maybe addiction to alcohol, God forbid drugs, other addictions that we have in our lives and struggles that we have, so we'll add some of that. Oh, it's starting to spill over to those around us. And finally, this delicious cold brew, which for our example isn't so delicious, represents all the dark things in our life, things like adultery, pornography, things like regret and hate. Ooh, does anybody want some? So what this represents is this is sometimes what can happen to us if we're not staying connected to our living water, our source. We're still saved. We're still going to heaven. But this is what people might see when they look at us if we're not being renewed by God each and every day. And that's not a very good witness because we're bitter, maybe a little bit angry, we don't really seem very different than what we were before at times. So what do we need to do so that we can represent Christ well? Well, we need to give ourselves to God, to the Spirit, on a daily basis and be filled with that living water. And what does that look like? This is where we get really messy. So here we go. That's starting to look better. Let's do that one more time. There you go. So by giving ourselves to God each and every day, asking him to fill us, asking him to direct us and guide us, and by making that a clear choice in our life each and every day, we can get rid of a lot of that junk or have a lot of that junk managed so that we can be witnesses. And even better, as you noticed, all that good Holy Spirit water, those rivers, is spilling out to those around us. If I had more hands, I would have made some more so you could see how it spills out to other people around us. But anyway, so that's the illustration that I wanted to share with you. Moving on, wanted to share, do we think that a believer is supposed to be able to feel the Holy Spirit? We actually know the Holy Spirit is within us because Scripture tells us this. Every believer, as we discussed before, is filled with the Holy, is filled with the Holy Spirit. But not every believer is controlled by the Holy Spirit. 
when we step out in our flesh, we are not under the control of the Holy Spirit, although we are still indwelt by Him. Again, it's a choice. Ephesians 5 gives us some of the characteristics of a Spirit-filled believer. We speak to each other with, ha- uh, with psalms, hymns, songs. We sing and make music to the heart, uh, in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. And importantly, we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So being filled or controlled by the Spirit is the result of walking in obedience to God. This is a gift of grace. It's not an emotional feeling. Emotions can deceive us and at times be very confusing. It is true that sometimes we can be overwhelmed by the presence and power of the Spirit. And this may be very, very emotional. King David, when the... um, Ark of the Covenant was brought to Jerusalem as an example of where he danced with all his might in 2 Samuel. And experiencing joy by the Spirit is the understanding that, cho- that as children of God, we are being blessed by his immeasurable grace. So the question I ask for you is how do you feel when God uses you? Do you ever feel completely overwhelmed by how great and good God is? Do sometimes worship songs touch you in just the right way? So you want to shout or kneel or lift your hands or even lay down on your face on the floor in humility? Do you ever feel God's presence when you're in his will? A short story to share. I remember my first trip to Haiti and just how overwhelming the spirit was as a bunch of people that didn't even know each other were working together in the name of Christ, to serve people that were less fortunate than ourselves. What a blessing that was. I kind of wrap my arms around that and hold on to that. And from time to time, I I experience similar feelings when God uses me. But I think it's important for us to remember that the Spirit is always with us. We just have to make the choice to allow Him to fill us and allow Him to use us. So how do we recognize the guidance of the Holy Spirit? Well, Scripture says that the Spirit guides us through our own consciences consciences, in other quiet, subtle ways. One of the most important ways to recognize the Holy Spirit's guidance is to know God's Word. The Bible gives us instructions on how to live and how to behave. We're instructed to search the Scriptures, meditate on them, and commit them to memory. The Word is the sword of the Spirit, and the Spirit will use it to speak to us and reveal God's will for our lives. So we must test ourselves against Scripture. The Holy Spirit will never prod us to do anything contrary to God's Word, and the Holy Spirit will not tempt us to sin. We must pray without ceasing, and we must look for those fruits that we talked about in our lives. If we grow in the Spirit, We will continue to see these qualities grow and mature in us, and they'll be seen by others around us as well. Again, it is important to note that we have a choice whether or not to accept the Holy Spirit's guidance. He doesn't force himself on us. When we know the will of God but don't follow it, we're resisting the Spirit's work in our lives. So being in tune with God's will, turning from and confessing sin... And making a habit of prayer and the study of God's word will allow us to recognize 
and follow the Spirit's lead. Finally, what is the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit's power is the power of God. The salvation of souls is a supernatural work made possible only by the Holy Spirit. The transformation of lives and the spiritual growth of believers is also from the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> we know from Scripture that during his earthly ministry, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit to perform miracles. After Jesus ascended into heaven, the Spirit equipped the apostles to perform miracles as well. The power of the Holy Spirit was manifest among all believers in the early church through the dispensation of spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit, God, is available to believers 24-7. We have but to humble ourselves and follow his lead, and we too can perform miracles. Christian shared a few weeks ago that a miracle is when the sacred meets the ordinary and makes the extraordinary difference in the world. I think sometimes when we look for miracles, we look for big things like parting of the Red Sea. But even those miracles that are considered small are still happening every day, and we miss them. We miss them because maybe they happen too frequently, and we don't recognize them as God's work in our lives. They're still miracles, and they can be very big miracles for people, even though they might not be on the grand scale, such as parting the Red Sea. Some examples. One example was me standing up here giving a sermon. This was probably the last thing I ever thought I was going to do when I was a teenager, since I kind of was more on the heresy side of things of church. Um, but God has certainly uh, grown me, and even in the process of getting here, it was, I think, he and I had some struggles, and I've struggled to be obedient, and he keeps pushing me in this direction, so here I am. So to me, for me, that's a miracle. Um, I have the privilege, as many of you might, is when someone is sick and we heal. Seeing that as a miracle in and of itself. We can't really explain how all that happens. It does. The body is designed to do that, but only with God's precious guidance. And that is a daily miracle that I think all too often we take for granted. Um, we've shared many times in God sightings that being nudged to talk to someone, to show kindness, or even just to give our time or resources often happens at just the right time in just the right place. These are miracles. These are God's design. This is, as we like to say, living or loving in a way that matters. And so we just need to be obedient to God's guidance and his instruction. Let us remember that salvation in and of itself is a miracle. So in conclusion, God will use us to perform miracles. We just need to listen and be obedient. We need to be a people in tune with God's Spirit. Ask yourself, are you quenching the Holy Spirit within? Or are you obediently listening to see how God will use you? What is your next miracle? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for your instruction, your guidance, your strength, your mercy, your grace, your power, and your plan. 
God, you are everything to everyone. We just need to open our eyes and see it. We need to tap into the power that you give us through your Holy Spirit, Lord. We need to not quench the Spirit, but use it to serve those around us, to tell people about you, to love in a way that matters, God. We pray for our church body, Lord, and those around us in the community. We pray for the world in general, God, that you would be more and more of an influence, that people would come to know you and glorify you in all that we do, Lord. And we thank you and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.